And welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Plex. So glad that all of you are joining us. And with me in studio as we were recording live here in Austin, Texas, it is none other than Nicole, Super Trooper Troop. I'm so glad you're here, Nicole. Hello, hello. Nicole has just like awesome insight as always. And so uh, I'm just going to start off with just because as we're reviewing what we talked about from this past Sunday, I'm just kind of hammering Nicole with a question of like, what'd you think? And like, what popped in your head when you think about, uh, I guess it was Exodus 9. Um, I, so you've, this is week two on the plagues, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm really thankful you separated them into multiple weeks. Because <laughs> that would have been a lot. Um, I guess it was week three, because I guess the first one was the Nile. The second one was oh, the yeah. frogs, gnats, and um, flies. All, all the bugs. Yeah, and then this one was uh, livestock and hail. Right. Or pestilence or fan. Yeah, pestilence on livestock and hail. Yeah. Um, so each week you've kind of like tie, like talked about how each one of the plagues defeats one of the like gods or goddesses mm-hmm. of like Egypt. And mm-hmm. Egypt had lots of gods and goddesses in their mythology or whatever. And so um, well, one of the things that you specifically mentioned this Sunday is that Egypt has, well, lots of gods, but like each one of the plagues also kind of defeats a bunch of other gods in addition to the like primary right. one. So I was just kind of wondering what you meant by Yeah, okay, that. so there, that's that's really great. So you've got, I think I talked about happy, uh, and you can kind of, happy, the happy god is the, it's a god who's got like, and this is what's so bizarre about this, this is where, where like there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Happy is like a, I don't know, it's a twin god representing the the northern part of the Nile and the southern part of the Nile. And it's a male god that has like a pregnant belly and breasts that look like you could nurse from. Interesting. So, I mean, if you want to talk about how everything <laughs> comes full, this was LGBTQ before LGBTQ was cool. All right. This was. Okay. I see what you're getting at with the nothing new is under the sun. Yeah, yeah. Nothing new. It's wild to me how this is just another god of the Nile. That's re- it was a male god representing sort of like the fertility of the Nile and all that, how it produced yeah. so much. And then you also had. Um, uh, Appies, uh, which I had like um, a bull. He's like a bull god who like a bowl that you eat soup from or no bowl sorry a bowl horns. like horn bowl, horn bowl. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's also the god of the it's weird right the god of the nile uh then isis is the goddess of the nile right and then you got kanum who's the guardian of the nile so many gods for the nile. uh yeah so you know kanum is also sort of taken <laughs> care of because I, I think let me he is the husband of um um that gum Hecate, who is the frog, you know, the, the frog, yeah, so fertility lady, yeah. So, this is why yeah. every plague is really attacking the pantheon because they and the pantheon is the like culmination of all. all the, I mean, when I looked up, you can go Google Pantheon of Gods, and there's not one uh website that has them all because you'll yeah. find like 20 or 30 on, on one, and then you'll find another 35 somewhere else. And, well, and it's like, why about, can't everyone just get on the same page? Which ones were the gods? The thing about ancient cultures like Egypt that had all of these mythologies, like Greece and Rome were the same way, um, is that there there were like household gods and they're like, it, it kind of like- I mean, changed. how could you keep up? It was the way that people explained the world around them. Right. Like we all need some kind of explanation 
for something. I guess. You and, know? and I guess if you don't have God and of like, the Bible revealing himself to you, you make it up. Right. So like that was their way of like, oh, I wonder why the stars and the sun move that way, you know, or why we can only plant in these times of the year and we only harvest in other times of the year. So they come up with like different stuff. And like, obviously the Nile was really important in Egypt. They have like 80 million gods for the Nile. Right. I mean, because it, that was like their source of water. So, so yeah. So yeah, you've got all these different gods. And so, you know, Osiris, this is where it's like, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, okay, okay, listen, there's lots of stuff in Christianity that doesn't make sense, but this really doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, how can you have a god of the Nile, uh, like Apis, who's a bull, you know, he's a bull god, or he looks like a bull, a cow. Uh, and then you've got Osiris and it's his bloodstream somehow. Like, it, yeah, it's. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so that, I think that's that's why whenever I was talking about, like, I can give you one or two gods this relates to, but I think we could spend the entire Sunday morning going every god in the pantheon of how this somehow gets at them um, somehow. Yeah. So anyway, I, so so this particular, so Plague One, lots of gods involved with the Nile, the frogs, specifically Hecic, the fertility goddess, who whenever Canoom made human beings like on his potter's wheel, uh Hecate would breathe life into him. Then you've got uh, the next god was Geb, who's the god of the earth. But there's also Seth, who's the god of the desert. He's the god of the chaos. He's like the chaos who's always trying to get at Osiris, who's yeah, you know, the basically god of, like think the Greek god Hades. Yeah, exactly. Similar. Yeah, so Seth's god of the desert, so he's bad. He's always looking up for looking out to do bad, nasty things. So. That's why the gnats, but then also Geb. He's it was came from the dust, which is the earth. It's it's wild, like right. Yeah. So, and then Kepri, he he's got a like a a beetle like beetle face. Uh, but then there's another. That's tragic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there's a fly. There's a fly goddess who is like uh, watch it. Or like you, you kind of like you watch it is kind of like what the way an to, interesting name. And it's but it but it, it's it's kind of weird because you watch it has like the head of a it's like a body and a head of a snake but with fly wings. Yeah. And, and so that was the god of fly goddess of flying things. It's so weird. Bizarre. Yeah. It's so all, yeah. so there's so much there, I, and that's why it gets challenging to kind of figure out to really specifically point at one. Because when God, the God of God of the Bible, Yahweh, He is destroying all their made up thought things. It's um, there's a saying in in pornography, and I know this is like a weird way to go. If you can think of it, there's porn for it. So yeah. whatever your imagination is, there it's there's actually it's already been created in your head. Whatever goddess or god you can think of, it was already thought of, and it's already created, and it's in the pantheon somewhere. Yeah. You just got to go discover it. So if when you look at these 10 plagues, they take care of every god or goddess that there was in the pantheon. Right. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So, but, but all that pointed to is that the god of Israel is distinct. He's distinct because he's not, he doesn't need to kind of recreate himself to be a, a, a god or goddess uh, to a specific physical thing, although he controls all physical things, he use which is which, which is interesting. Like he doesn't do a thing until it comes to the the killing of the firstborn. Because if like if Moses had like a little finger of fire or something, and he'd like shoot fire at from his finger, pew, pew, 
and like it was slow motion fire in better because then you could see it coming boom <laughs> boom and then like all of a sudden like one of pharaoh's officials started to melt right in front of him kind of like layers of raiders of the lost ark then people would be like okay you're clearly your god's it yeah but god doesn't reveal himself that way he reveals himself using the nature that god created right. which i think is even cooler yeah that is really cool okay so so anyway, he's doing all this to show that God is distinct, God's people are distinct, and I think the the part with whenever he gets to that, you know, with hail and he's really kind of attacked. There's there's two ways a sky god nut is attacked, which is just fun, or sky goddess, uh, sky goddess nut is attacked. The sky goddess nut is attacked when whenever um, he takes the soot from the kiln and throws it into the air, and it becomes a plague of pestilence over all the livestock for only the Egyptian animals. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he, he take so the kiln, which is kind of fun. The kiln is where the bricks were made. Right. That's where they like fire the clay to Yeah, and what's interesting is he ha- so and I don't know if this was hard for for Moses to do. He had to do it within the sight of Pharaoh. So I don't know if like, you know, like hey, can I get a kiln brought in here to the palace cuz I just doubt like take a bucket. I doubt those were movable. Right. Like so, they're but, movable now, but I doubt they're movable then. Yeah, so like he somehow he had to get in the side of Pharaoh where he would be walking by and be like or maybe he just went to a nearby kiln and then God, you know, needed you know, Pharaoh had to go inspect the troops, see how bricks were being made these days. He's like, Ah, oh, Pharaoh, nice to see you here. And this is where I kinda of made the joke second service. I was like, it's like everywhere Pharaoh goes, there's Moses. Like, gosh, can't you put a bell on that guy? I'm like, can I get a warning? Because all of a sudden there's Moses. He's in the kiln. He's like, hey, Moses, check out the soot. And he throws it in the air. And all of a sudden, a plague spreads out on all the livestock of all of Egypt, but doesn't touch the livestock of the Goshen, of the people yeah. of, of Israel. So that was wild. And then the next one was Hail, also Sky God. You know, the sky god's very either angry or he's been defeated or she's been defeated. And hail is coming down and yeah. smashing um, uh, man and beast. Had to have been some like pretty intense hail. No, we're talking like uh, the size of like, a talent is what we're talking about, at least in Revelation. How big is a talent? 100 to 125 pounds. So okay. you're talking about right. like. Um, like 14 year old kids falling from the sky. Oh like that, that's like huge, right? Yeah. So it's wild to sort of see how that all comes down on them. So speaking of all these plagues on these livestock, we got these, oh yeah, we, do, we, have we a got question. questions from our listeners about this. Yeah, read the question for me. Um, so I'll read both of them because they're basically the same, just different verses. So what were the beasts in Exodus nine nine? If all the livestock died, and then where the livestock come from in nine nineteen? So if they got killed by one plague, by the the ash in the air. Right. How are they? How is there still livestock left over for hail to? Yeah, I, I think this is a great on. question and one that I think that deserves okay deserves to be answered. As if I'm not this one's I'm not going to answer it. Uh, but yeah, let's read Exodus nine nine. It shall become fine dust over the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in the sores of man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And then nine nineteen is. Uh, now, therefore, send your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and is brought home will die when hail falls on them. And so when the plague of boils came out and it killed, uh, let's see, it, so they took from the kiln, but the Lord hardened the heart, man and beast. Did the yeah, plague it, of boils actually ki- kill them? Yeah, it, not, not No, yeah, verse 7. Uh, verse 7 is where 
um, he says, hey, listen, the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of Egyptian of the Egyptians died, but none of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. So then in verse okay. 9, 19, what beasts were still, or sorry, verse 9, what beasts were still around from uh, chapter, or sorry, not chapter, the, the previous plague? Right. Okay, so, and hold on. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one livestock. So that's verse seven. And the Lord said to Moses, take handfuls of soot. So you don't know that the time, right? So there, there's a time of which he, how long does it take for Pharaoh to go and check on the livestock of Israel? Yeah. All right. So when Pharaoh goes to get the check on the livestock of Israel, he could probably, when he sees that they're alive, he could buy some, steal some, take some. He can start all over and they can always import livestock from other countries. So it's not like he kills all of the beasts on the planet. Yeah. And you don't know how much, I think this is what's challenging about the plagues. It feels like it's 10 days and 10 plagues. It's more like nine and a half months. Okay. That was going to be my next question because I've always thought of it as like, it all happens in a week or whatever. No, it's not, like, it's clearly, over a long period of time. It's over a long period of time. So the Israelites this entire time, like nine months, a year, whatever, they're still in slavery, slavery. making bricks, finding straw for bricks. Their life hasn't gotten any better. Right. And, and that's why I was saying, I think last time, it's like there could be this point of like, God, I appreciate all the plagues. I appreciate you're making Pharaoh's life sort of miserable and tragic and whatever. But I mean, I don't really care about how long were, how long was Frog Fest? Maybe a month? Like at what point does frog get does frog does Pharaoh get tired of the frogs? I think that's where you just sort of assume that this happens in a day. But to make all these frogs multiply, I think God does it. He spawns them faster, but he does it naturally, and so therefore it just it comes upon everything. And then eventually Pharaoh's like, "Man, we gotta get rid of these frogs or the gnats." I mean, there's probably a time where you live with the gnats. You're like, "This is frustrating." Yeah. And then eventually you get tired of gnats. Mm-hmm. So so I think that's why with the with the livestock they probably they had to start all over again, yeah. which is why it was so frustrating. Mm. So they, okay, so ready. So maybe they did take some you get Israelite the, You get the stock. plague, the plague kills all the livestock. Then you get the boils. The <clears> boils <throat> affect all the livestock, but they're not dead yet. And then all the livestock are killed, man and beast are killed in the the talent the size hail. Storm. Yeah. Okay, but well, one of the things that you said on Sunday, which I thought was really interesting, is you pointed out that there was this like, like Moses said to Pharaoh, you know, anyone who doesn't bring their livestock in with them, their livestock will perish. Right. And this but is wild. the scripture says that there are some Egyptians who brought their livestock in with them, mm-hmm. and so somehow they knew. So, man, what I what sorry, what I love about this part of the scripture, and, and it, this gets intense for me because this is God's grace. Yeah, if there, this is a picture of Jesus right here. God saying, "I'm bringing judgment on the world." Hey, check it out. If you want to come inside, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, and so this this is where we say like. God's grace is sufficient for all, but effective for some. And in either God's grace, here's what's cool about this. God's grace will either harden your heart or soften your heart. Because his grace is irresistible. In other words, if God gives you the ability to hear, see, and respond to the gospel, it's irresistible. You're not going to be like, nah, what else you got? But if he doesn't give you eyes to see, if he yeah. doesn't give you a heart to hear, then your heart will become hardened or inoculated to the gospel, and you will grow up in church and go, I guess. 
I, I mean, I, and you've yeah. seen people like this. You, you've experienced, they are, it's wheats and the tares growing alongside each other. And so you have no idea. And this one you get, when people talk about how, how they have church hurt, it might not even be a saved person who hurt you, but they really look like a Christian. They sound like a Christian, but they are not born again because you can't born yourself again. Jesus only by the spirit of God allows you to see him for who he is and the beauty of who he is. So there's people here and they'll be great church members. They'll be great people. They're going to be awesome. They've been trained well, but because their heart hasn't been open to the gospel, they have no idea that Jesus has saved them from death and hell. And so they'll kind of be sort of resentful of all the other people who aren't doing enough, of all the other people who aren't working very hard, of all the people who just take advantage of the grace of God, and they'll just sort of live angry lives. And I and that's the part of it where when when you understand God's grace, you are constantly living in the grace of God. So the part that like everybody like this is what I always challenge people because I know there are people at church Maybe even got saved at our church, but or came from another church. They turn, and then all of a sudden, they are feeling so bitter towards God. And it might because they because they haven't rested in the Lord, and they're not resting in the Lord, and they aren't they're not coming to be have their strength renewed. So they're just pissed off at the world. Or or it could be that they got a version of Christianity that was I'm gonna do whatever I need need to do to be accepted. And this, okay, is this the Christian thing? I'll do that. And I found friends here. And then what happens, they get burned out and fried because they don't have the actual spirit of God working, living in them. And their heart hasn't been born again. So they just see people being lazy as opposed to people doing God's will and his work and living out his grace. And, and, I, and I think that's where a, you know, a lot of sin in our lives comes from that. A lot of sin in our lives comes from our inability to receive grace. Yeah. And I think that, like, this is why I love, I had somebody yesterday go like, why are you preaching through the Old Testament? Don't, I mean, let's talk about Jesus. I mean, because Jesus is right there. That, that, that verse, That's true. Like, the fear of the Lord. They feared God's word and they took every, they took everybody inside. It would have looked crazy. Yeah. For people to take their cows inside, yeah, their animals inside, all the mules and oxen and livestock that don't fit inside houses. Hey, listen, I'm sorry, we're gonna you know ruin the nice china, and we're gonna have to you know the kids or the, the 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 ox sat on the bed or something. But what what happened is that they believed the word of the Lord. How much did they believe? I don't know. Enough to bring their cow inside, right? When they when we look at a normal day and ever there was work to be done. And the rest of the world's going like you're crazy. Listen, it's a normal work day. You got to get. Why are you inside? Like a you you look like a conspiracy theorist with your cow inside your house. Mm -hmm. Listen, God's word said God. Which God? There's a million gods. Not you know. There was like 50 other gods said there's not going to be any hail today. You're telling me that you're going to believe the one God that says to be. Hey, listen. Well, he brought the frogs and the gnats and the locusts and the. And then they go. Well, that was months ago. Yeah. You see how, like, that's how it reminds me of the Rahab and Jericho. 100%. You know, like, it's it's that same, it's that same thing because she heard about all that, like, how God was delivering the Israelites from all of their enemies and, like, hearing about how they destroyed kings on the other side of the Jordan and south from them. Yep. Like, not in their vicinity. Yep. You know, and so like clearly that had an impact on her. Clearly, like God doing this these miraculous like, but like not super great works in the like midst of the Egyptians, and they're like, okay, well this guy is serious, yeah. so I'm gonna be serious about this God because clearly he's got something going on that all of the others don't. 
Right. And I, and I think that's where you're going to see this over and over again um, where, where people believe. And, and listen, and this is what I love about this. Um, these people weren't perfect people. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is like they probably still believed in all their other crazy gods. Right. Uh, they probably were not like forsaking all other gods to follow Yahweh. In fact, in fact, I think a bunch of them left Egypt who believed in Yahweh and what he had done. But when Moses goes up on the mountain, who thinks of the golden calf? That's a good point. I'll bet you it was some Egyptians saying like, listen, we need something to worship. And guess what the golden calf was? He was the God of the Nile. Let's bring back Apis. He's a golden calf. He's a new reborn calf. You know, and that kind of also, because later on also they're like, we should go back to Egypt. It was so much better there. We don't have food, you know. Right, like, because they, it makes people sense weren't that, slaves. Like, probably the Egyptians were the ones like starting all the, you know, so, they're remembering and, how good it was. Right. And, and, and this gets Israelites back to, were like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so why should we be surprised? And this is why I just want to, I don't want to pound on this too much because I don't want to feel people like, guilty but like if you have church hurt because of church people i'm like well duh right and i don't want to be like get over it but i kind of want to be like get over it i understand they were abusive and they hurt you and they were bad and they were church people but if you give up on god or you give up on the church because well um, thank god god didn't give up on the church thank god didn't give up on israel because he had a uh, some weasels in the mixed bag and and did israel suffer because of the sin of some absolutely in fact Korah and his whole team got swallowed up in the sand I guess what I'm saying is I, I think if you're looking for a church not to hurt you, don't go to church. And which that's what some people, some of you done. You're like, listen, I'm a rock. I'm an island. If As long as I'm not around people, I can't get hurt. 100%. 100%. Way to go. You have solved it. The problem is you will become hard. And you will become, um, because the very thing you need is you need, watch this, you need to be vulnerable to the church so that it can hurt you because that is what it means to be Jesus. Because isn't that exactly who Jesus died for, the church? He made himself vulnerable on a cross. Yeah. Can't get more vulnerable than that so that the people whom he would be saving could reject him and he could take on their sin. Does that make sense? Anyway, I don't want to overdo this because that's not the whole point of this, but that's what it means to be a Christian is you make yourself vulnerable to the people of God so they ultimately can hurt you because that's what Jesus did for you. And, that, and he's taking in anybody, whosoever would call on him, he's taking in. And at the same time, he's calling those people, and they are the elect, and he's taking broken people who do broken stuff because they have, the effects of sin are different on them than they are on you. And what can happen for church people who were raised right, they had two parents in the home that were blessed, they lived in suburbia their whole life, they didn't go to a crappy school, in fact, they went to Christian education, it was awesome, it was awesome, awesome, is that they become like almost angry at needy people who are that way because of the way they were brought up and they didn't have the grace of God. They didn't get to experience joy. And so you can sort of reject the very beautiful thing that God is saving because you can get angry. How come they're not like me? Anyway, but the God is distinct. Our God is distinct and our people are distinct. And what makes them distinct is not their attitudes or efforts, but God's call in their life. And I think that's the beauty of this entire passage. There you go. Nice. You wrapped that up really well. Yeah, there you go. We we do have one other question. Oh, yeah. What's that last question? Um, why would Pharaoh continue to grant Moses an audience through each of the plagues? Why didn't he 
have them have them like killed or exiled. Yeah, and I think this Which goes back to God's grace. It's kind of like yeah. why did how did Jesus get to go preach in the synagogue and pretty much go like um these words you know hey preach good news to the poor uh let the blame walk and you know the deaf can speak and the mute hear or mute speak and the deaf hear. And then he's like, these words are fulfilled right now in your hearing. And they're like, pick up rocks to stone them. They take him to the edge of a cliff. And he's like, ah, walk through the crowd now. I, this is where God does what he wants to do. And so since Moses is, is his guy, you know, he probably used, he probably, Pharaoh did want to kill him, but there was some decorum that you don't like act out in anger in the court or something. And, that, and so God used the natural, probably civility of the, the palace to bring the plague on. And, you know, it's like, if God can make Moses throw soot into the air and give plague to everybody, he can probably make him walk out of the palace without getting stoned. Right. Is this, this is not the same Pharaoh that would have known Moses growing up or is um, it? They would have, yes, he would have known him. Okay. So yeah. he knew he, Moses wasn't a stranger to him. He wasn't like some random so. dude. I think so. I think they were either brothers or uh, cousins or cousins something. or something. You know, I mean, clearly it's fair. Remember, Pharaoh's daughter, her son, and it's been he's eighty years old. So this is pro- probably the same, you know, similar age. So he, they know each other. Yeah, they grew up together. Okay, remember he was forty when he left, and so it's not like Pharaoh's reign was like five years. So I, I'm assuming they grew up together and lived together and did all the things together. Yeah, and so there there's a part of this where, like, whenever Pharaoh loses his son, mm-hmm. you gotta think. Yeah. And, and it could have been a younger Pharaoh, right? It could have been like, you know, Uncle Moses. Mm-hmm. It could have been a younger Pharaoh. And yeah. so he, and, you know, he's like maybe 25 or something. Who knows? We don't know how old. Right. But like, you know, Moses is 80 and maybe this guy's 40 or, or whatever, but he loses a son. Yeah. And so the, I I think the what I love about um, the Ten Commandments, the actual movie, is it kind of reveals Moses' heart. And he's saying like, man, Pharaoh, listen, your son's going to die. And I care about your kid. Yeah. And that's wild to think about. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a, I don't think Moses harbors anger towards the people of Egypt like he did 40 years previous when he killed off an Egyptian. Yeah. Like, I think that was youthful angst that kind mm-hmm. of was tamped down over time as he saw what a failure he was yeah. and kind of understood the depravity of man. And then he sees like there, but for the grace of God, there go I. Like right. he looks at Pharaoh like, that's me. That would have been me if God hadn't revealed himself. And so there's compassion and pity he has on Pharaoh. And so I think that's probably the bigger question. Why doesn't God just smite Pharaoh? Well, it's for this very purpose he's raised Pharaoh up so that God's power may may be displayed in him. Yeah. So there's a why doesn't Moses get chopped off or killed right here? Well, because this whole thing is in God's control. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah, there you go. Uh, All right, hey, thanks for listening to this recap of Exodus 9. I'm so grateful for you watching and listening to the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, would you mind like, share, subscribe, do the things. Let somebody know that you're listening to this if you find it helpful. Even if you don't, just send it along because you're just a big fan. Uh, <laughs> we, we love you. And so from, uh, if you have any other questions, make sure you text us at 737-231-0605. And from our house to yours, have an awesome day.